Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, for parents, after the experiences of remote and distant learning in 2020, Term 1 has presented a welcome move back to having children in the classroom and the opportunity to start the year afresh. It also has many parents eager to make a conscious effort to make this first term and beyond, of course, for the rest of the year really count. So if you are a parent keen to continue supporting your children's learning from home while you are in the right place. Now, lucky for us, we're joined today by James Burnett, who will be sharing tips that will help. Now, a little bit about our guest. James is the CEO and co-founder of Origo Education. He's a father of three and an expert how to teach primary school children mathematics at, at school and at home. Now, Origo at Home is a free online resource designed to help parents with more than 20,000 that have already accessed the program. I'm sure by now it's actually well and above 20,000. Now, the online program has activities for each day of the week and it is specific to different primary school year levels. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Yes, great to be here. I'm good, thanks. Excellent. Well, we spoke with you last year where you kindly shared your top tips for teaching kids mathematics at home during homeschooling. Now, here we are at the start of a new school year with the kids back in the classroom. And, you know, just through your business in general, you know, I'd love to know what has been your experiences with parents and just their general feeling and the notion about the, the year that was that in the 2020 school year. Um, and just generally, you know, the time that children spent outside the classroom, have you had um, a lot of sort of feedback come through to you at all? Oh, just to say that, you know, last year was a tough year for all um, and that they, they realise that 2021 is the year they, they really got to make up, uh, you know, make up some gains of what was lost. Um, we, we tried, uh, the community collectively tried to flatten the curve, uh, forgetting, if you like, uh, last year and, um, and the, you know, a lot of children learning from home in different states at various times of the year. And this year they just have to do so much more really to get ahead. So that might require, um, you know, the the highly enthusiastic and motivated parents are doing some additional learning at home. Yeah. Give those children, I wouldn't say an edge, but they will sort of get them back to where they probably should be. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's sort of what we've been hearing. But, I mean, do you think that there's a fair bit of catch-up to do? And and I guess also on a global scale, scale because your, your business isn't just here in Australia, it's, it's overseas as well. You know, do you think it is um, the fact that it is an even playing field as children globally have experienced time out of the classroom, I mean, in America and in the UK? No, I, won't say, I won't say it's an even playing field at all. I think in Australia yeah. we're very fortunate where the way that was it was handled by um, – our, our leaders uh, and you know for the most part our children were in school um, but you know that's other countries for example you mentioned uh, yes my business is, is elsewhere it's in Thailand and US and Canada and, and in the US those students there they they missed out virtually the whole year. Yeah, so, a lot of them are uh, still out of school at the moment aren't they? Uh, still so you have, you have yes. a hybrid approach of the teacher will have 
five students today and a different five students tomorrow and a different five students the next day uh, and they rotate through so um, uh, so it's not a playing field we've been very very fortunate um, you know there's more obviously there's always more we can do Perspective is always a very interesting thing to have. And, and as um, I'm looking through this lens as a parent yourself, I'd love to know what are your personal thoughts? Uh, oh, well, my to... youngest is uh, she, she's doing grade 12 at the moment. And I can tell you too, and, and she knows that she admits to me, uh, even though she appreciated a few weeks of working from home uh, or schooling from home, she, she needed to get back to school and she knew she slipped behind. Um, so the school's been very good about un- understanding. I mean, this is her senior year, um, mm. but uh, you know, there she has to make up ground somehow, um, yes. and she's not alone. They're all they're all working very hard to do that diligently. Mm. Now, I understand you've accumulated your fair share of tips to help support parents um, since creating the likes of Go Maths and Stepping Stone Mathematics Workbooks for Australian schools um, over the last few years. Um, you know, I'd love to know what do you think is the most important tip that you can give parents in general who are just wanting to yeah. support their children's education yeah. and help them teach, teach maths to their children at home? I can't speak specifically because, you know, parents have children at different grade levels. There's no sense in me giving specifics in a short interview like this on how to teach this idea or that idea or that idea. Yes. But it is critical that your children do not hear you say, oh, I was never very good at maths. You know, and yeah, you know, if they come to you with a problem, don't say, "Oh, go to your father, or go to your mother." And oh, I was never very good at maths. And you know, this doesn't happen when they're young, but as they get up to even upper primary school, if they see it's okay for you to switch off, you know, they will switch off. And it's not okay to be no good at mathematics. No one verbally, outwardly says, oh, "I was never very good at reading and writing." If that was the case, they would hide that information. They generally you know, a little bit ashamed of that. Um, but too often we hear parents and adults say, oh, I was never very good at maths, and they don't mind admitting it, you know, because maths is for those people. And when kids hear that, they think, oh, it's okay for me then. I won't be good at maths. I'll switch off as well. I think that when you ask what's the general tip, I don't think there's a stronger one than that. That, that is critical. You don't want to turn kids off. You want to turn them on. Yeah. You don't want to create anxiety by... Uh, by the way you handle their homework, um, you really got to work with them and work through it. I, I couldn't give a more important general tip. And in general, why do you think it's just important for parents to support their children's education at home? Well, most uh, you know, research will tell us, uh, I'm not going to be able to cite any research, but I have read this where a tremendous amount of learning, if not most of learning, happens outside of school. Um, so, you know, they need uh, that support and, and they develop the attitudes towards learning at home as much as at school. Yeah. So if you are, if you are a, a lifelong learner, if you are an educator, and I don't mean in the sense of being a teacher or a lecturer or something like that, but if you, you'd like to, to teach your children little things, um, you know, that, that, that's important. Um, uh, it, that, that's critical. Yeah. Now, we stated in our last chat that the move to distant and remote learning wasn't likely to be forever, and it wasn't, (laughs) um, as we know. And retrospectively, you know, I'd love to know what do you see being the positives and the positive takeaways in the experiences of parents homeschooling their children during lockdown? Oh, wow. One of the positives, um, we, uh, the the children, 
<laughs> the children, parents, everyone is being, they're more willing, they have a more of an appetite to learn from video format like this. Mm. Um, you know, they, they did a little bit of it before, but now we're all forced into this. So we're more comfortable with it. Parents are more comfortable having their kids in front of it for learning. You can learn a lot off uh, YouTube. Oh, my goodness. You can learn a lot off YouTube. And I mean not watching someone else, you know, put together a flat pack table. I'm talking about learning ideas in mathematics, learning ideas in other disciplines as well. So this is this is really important. I think I think parents have seen have seen the, the value in that now. Uh, we've been trying to do it for years. Yeah. Top of my head, I can't really think of anything else. What other real real advantages? Um, I guess engaging the parents in instruction. All yes. too often, particularly as our children get older, you know, school is the place to learn. And, you know, don't bring it home. You know, uh, we'll do a little bit of homework together, but I don't want to know it. I think they've got more engaged in what's happening in school. Definitely, Because yes. they've sort of had to. Many don't like it, <laughs> but they sort of had to, you know. So I think that that would be another plus as well. Yeah. And maybe just yeah. an appreciation for what the teachers actually do also. <laughs> oh, oh, I totally missed that one. You're absolutely right, isn't that? <laughs> you hear that? I haven't heard it this year, but, man, we heard a lot last year, didn't I? Yes. Oh, didn't <laughs> Um, uh, everyone's saying, oh, man, I could not do that job. Yes. And uh, it, it's, it's a very, very hard job. It really is. You've got to be so, you got to wear so many hats. Mm. And, and do you think even more so now that parents are a little bit more confident in actually assisting their children uh, with, their, with their homework and just their education and continuing that learning at home, do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, I, I would think that they would we would have gained some confidence out of it. There's going to be lots. I mean, it's hard to generalise, isn't it? There's going to be a lot of teachers. Oh, sorry, of a lot course. of parents have just get turned off. Yes. <laughs> they, they don't want Completely. to borrow it. And, yeah. and for that matter, on the flip side, there's going to be a lot of uh, teachers who have had to deal with parents, dare I say, meddling in the children's learning. Yes. You know, so the teacher's trying to teach something this way and the parent's trying to teach the same idea the way they learn. And, and and it really just creates a bit of uh, confusion for the child. So all that has to be sorted out. So there are some negatives as well. Um, yes, But yeah, I'm glad you brought up the positives first. Yes, always. <laughs> Glass half full, girl, always. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, we published your article titled Top Tips to Support Kids' Math Study in 2021. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what the article is about and, of course, what inspired you to write it? I just knew that going back to, to this year and in light of the points you already raised, uh, you know, teachers also parents are going to, to want to bring their kids up to speed. So what is it I can do at home? Um, and also what's happening in the – I'm always trying to help parents understand what is happening in the classroom and why is it so different to the way I learned. So there's a little bit of that as well. So um, I remember the first the first uh, part of the article was on visual representations, giving children pictures of things to help their understanding. That old, you know, pictures are powerful and that old phrase that pictures worth a thousand words. Um, it, it's so true. And we don't normally, if you think back to the way you learn mathematics, it wasn't a lot of, it wasn't highly pictorial, was it? Um, I mean, we use big storybooks now, things like that in, in mathematics. The kids are learning from storybooks. So, so pictures are critical, but yeah, when, when we were in school, it was, it was highly abstract, highly symbolic, based on memorization, and it doesn't need to be like that. Let me give you an example, just, just understanding um, you know, three-digit numbers. I mean, you've got to read that number. What yes. is that number? 
315. Here's a picture. So it's, a little bit, it's not 315. It's 315 ones, right? So um, just reading that number, a uh, little visual model like this helps them break it down. I've got to read the hundreds place. Yes. Okay. In this particular number, 315. Look at the way I read it. Isn't that odd? We start with the hundreds place. We say three hundreds, fifth, the ones place. Then we jump back and say the teen, the ten. I mean, this is confusing for kids. So a little model like this will help them read that as three hundred and fifteen. You read that as one number, fifteen ones. So a visual model like that, uh, visual models to help them with their basic number facts, what you might know as uh, call we used to call tables. Mm -hmm. You know, what's nine plus five? Nine plus five, and the children have to memorize. 14. Well, what can we give them? What picture can we give them in their head to create a strategy to work that out? What's nine plus five? Oh, here we go. Here's nine. That's a picture of nine, isn't it? So no symbols involved. Hmm. It's, in a, it's in what we call a 10 frame. So in the lower grades, they start using 10 frames like this mm -hmm. and they place counters on the tens frame. So nine and five. So what's nine and five? When you see nine and five, I want you to make a 10. So you can take one of these and put it over there. Oh, nine plus five is the same as 10 plus four. Is 10 plus four easier to do in my head? Absolutely. So a little visual model, a little visual representation like that helps the kids form a mind picture of, yes. of a thinking strategy that you want them to have. Uh, so that's, that's a big advantage. Um, you can make connections and it helps with language as well. Here's something you might use in like in grade six. Can you see uh, there? You got, yes, for uh, anyone yeah. um, listening to this via podcast, um, James is actually showing us some visual representations at the moment. But James, could you just talk us through this one? For anyone that's maybe uh, just listening to this, not watching the um, the video footage. So yeah, this one I'm a bit, a bit challenging now. We, got, um, we have uh, the number what, three and five hundredths, and it's in a little what I would call a slider, okay? So um, you can see the names of the places. There's three ones. So the ones places is, is uh, yeah, stationary. The tenths place is zero in the tenths place, and there's five in the hundredths place. Now, the misconception, if I want to multiply this number by ten, what I often hear teachers and parents say is you move the decimal place. Mm. You don't move the decimal point. The decimal point has to stay beside the ones. It always tells us where the one is, so or the ones are. So you don't do that. So with this particular visual model, I can slide the digits. I slide the digits to the side. So when you multiply or divide by 10 or 100 or 1,000, you don't move the decimal point. You move the digits to the left or the right. And this is giving them a model to help them understand what's happening so they don't get that misconception. The decimal point has to stay beside the, the ones place. That, that's so, our point of reference. So everyone um, listening in, in via the podcast, um, as we just mentioned, James has been showing us some visual representations as a great way to better engage students from a visual perspective. Um, I mean, I'd love to understand, you know, from your perspective also, what do you find are the most common challenges children experience in general learning maths? Uh, look, there's a couple of answers to that. Uh, when we're saying children, I'm, I'm primary school based, so you know we deal with the 
um, the preppies through to our foundation level through to, to sixth grade. Um, we can extend to seventh grade, but you know, the basic number facts, the tables, if you like, are still the number one problem. And for some reason, it seems like it's got worse um, over the years. So you will still get your high school teachers, high school teachers um, and students for that matter, you know, the, the kids still don't know their facts. Uh, and it's very hard to learn high school mathematics if you don't have your basic facts understood by that stage, your tables, if you like. So tables is, is a major pain point. Um, you know, when I last taught seventh grade, which is going back to the early uh, early 90s now, I, I think I probably had only a third or fewer, maybe a quarter of my class who knew their basic facts. Wow. And, and it just hinders you. You know, how can they learn more complex concepts if they don't know their basic facts? I mean, the basic facts of tables are the nuts and bolts of mathematics. Yeah. You have to have those in order to do the other things. The other, the other one, um, if I could pick just one, is fractions. And when I say fractions, I mean common fractions. So the wheels tend to fall off when the children start learning common fractions in a formal sense, and that is writing symbols for whatever reason. That's when some kids, the kids come to school loving mathematics. They're age five and six, and they love mathematics. They don't know necessarily that's called mathematics, but they love it. Mm. And, and they'll go along for a number of years, and then some stage they start teaching those fractions and they go, oh, you know, maybe mathematics isn't for me. Maybe it's for those kids that sit at that table over there. And unfortunately, all this, every, everything they're hearing from home and whatever, it's supporting the fact that that's okay. Mathematics isn't for everyone, honey. You know, and, and that's not the case. It's what I read. I read somewhere the number one reason you get hired for a job is your literacy skills. The number one reason you get fired from a job is your lack of numeracy skills. So <laughs> <laughs> mathematics is critical. And, and, and the way we move forward uh, in this future, this world of digital technology, it's more important than ever. Yeah. So they're your two, they're your two pain points uh, in primary school at least. And so, I mean, how can parents in this in instance then best help overcome those challenges, you know, while supporting their children's education from home then? Uh, there, there's any number of companies like ours that uh, produce resources for for at home. Yeah. Um, our, our, our at home solution is a more of a hands-on you know, interactive experience with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's all free. And you're right, there's, there's tens of thousands of people now using it. So they're designed for parents to sit and actually work with their child. It's not a device. It's not putting the child in front of a, an app or a device and the child just practices things. Now, that's what you get with these devices um, is it, generally practice. There's some instruction uh, put in there, but you don't get interaction. I mean, you're not going to it's not going to ask you a question. You're not going to respond verbally, and then it's not going to react to the way you responded. We don't. We're not there yet. It, we will be one day, but we're not there yet with the technology. And that's what you get. And that's that's to the second point on my article that I wrote: is you need communication and collaboration. Um, you, you need to have interaction where I can I get as a learner the opportunity to justify my thinking. I can explain my current understanding. You don't truly understand something until you have to teach it to someone else. Yes. Uh, you have to digest it. Yes, you've actually you've, totally understand. Okay. Yes. Exactly. That, that works on a micro scale, micro scale with children. Just they've learned something. Now you turn and talk to your partner. You explain your thinking. You ask the child, how do you know? It's the number one question you can ask your child at home. If they give you an answer to something, how do you know? Have them, and I'm not just talking mathematics. I'm talking anything. Have them justify their thinking. 
Last week I was at a, a, a cattle conference. Can you believe it? I was at a, a, a workshop in Rockhampton. It was a seven-day-long workshop. We studied from 8 to 6.30 at night every night. It was intense. I thought I'd sort of forgotten most of it. But when I got home, I had the opportunity to explain to a couple of friends of mine, my wife, my son, you know, some of the ideas I learned. And then just by explaining it, I actually realised, oh, wow, I do know this. And, and, and every time I explained it, I got better and better and better. And, and you actually, you know, you learn it. So the more you can do to get your children explaining their thinking, talking about mathematics, justifying their answers, justifying their thinking, their strategies, the better off they will be. Yes. So in, in saying that, so collaborating and communicating is so yep. important for everyone, especially when working in teams um, and or communicating to others. So with that, you know, how can this help children and adults when learning new ideas, especially in mathematics? Is it the fact that we do digest that information as as we have to communicate it out? Is that what it is? Yeah, well, teachers teachers now will, um, this is not the way I learn, probably not the way you learned either, but this uh, teachers now will actively, you know, put children in uh, situations where they have to collaborate on problems. Um, so it's not just about getting the answer, that they're, they're collectively they, they, they come up with a solution and during that time they are required to explain their thinking and justify their thinking. It, it is so powerful. Even the, the speaker at that cattle cattle grazing workshop I went to, he would often get us turning and talking to everyone in the room to, to explain, you know, our take on what he just said. Uh, and it is extremely extremely powerful because that person across the other table heard something that you didn't hear. And this person heard what you heard, but they heard it, they interpreted it a different way. And, and to, together you, you actually develop some great understandings. Um, so it's depending on the age of the child, uh, you know, how they the teacher will do that but group work is is critical i always get concerned when i walk into classrooms particularly the youngest kids but anywhere really but when i see the the desks are all in rows uh i i it really concerns me i like to see the why kids, is that uh, well because you how can you collaborate and work and communicate when you're facing the teacher when you're facing a teacher that suggests the information's going one way from the teacher to the child. Very, and very. A lot of the learning, a lot of the learning is happening between the kids, so they need to be collaborating, working on projects together. Uh, even if it's just a question in their in their book or something, they're discussing it together rather than this implication that I'm going to pour my knowledge down to you. No, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to spark your interest. Really we're interesting. Work together. So, so, so uh, what would you suggest then would be a, a better way of the desks being sort of laid out in the classroom then to be able to... Oh, you know. <laughs> it's going to be plenty of teachers that probably don't like me here, don't like to hear this, but um, I'm sure they have uh, strategies to work in their own classroom. But I, I just would have them in groups. So if you've got 20, 24 children or even 32 children I had when I was teaching, um, you just put them in groups of four or six, whatever you can manage in your the area of, the, of your floor plan you've been given. Um, so every classroom is different. So um, and, and sometimes, sometimes uh, you know certain students have to be set certain ways as well. So um, you know for behavioural reasons. But for the most part, it's you want them in groups. And most of my work is done in the US now, and I'll walk through and I still see these these desks not only in rows. But they're separated, so I can walk down columns and rows, 
you know, around each. It's just like you see on TV. Any of the any of the silly sitcoms or movies you see where, where children are still in high school or, or you know elementary school, they call it over there. Very much so that you still see lots of rows, which is unfortunate. But yeah, things are improving. Now, you talked about how important it is to help children understand the importance of mathematics and how they can apply that to real-life situations. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, this in more detail and perhaps to give our parents some ideas how, of how they can present opportunities to teach their children? Yeah, so in short, um, we use mathematics every day and we don't even realise it. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you a question. No, please don't. And, no, because I'm going to, please if don't you don't think question. of an answer, that's, a, that's okay because you've probably answered my question because you don't think of an answer. But can you think of when you used mathematics today? And I was saying, what, it's around noon today? What have you used so far today? Or can you give up one example of what you've done? Um, I and can't. Otherwise, listen, listen, I want you to do the same. Where um, have you used mathematics today? I haven't because right. I've, I've been recording podcasts. I've been sort of in conversations. Oh, think about the mathematics you've been using doing that. No. So my, my point is we use mathematics so much and we're not even aware of it, all right? So how are you going to support your kids is more be aware when you use mathematics. So we would use mathematics, okay, you and I are not sitting in a, in a shopping centre or store right now, but we generally everyone goes, Generally, we go to the store once a day or once every other day for something. Some kind of transaction will take place. When a transaction takes place, that's an opportunity to discuss money. All right? How much do I have? What's the cost of the item? How much more do I need? Now, depending on the age of children, I'm speaking generally, you, know, you, can, you can ramp that up or you can simplify those kinds of questions that you would have. How much change am I going to get back? We don't even use cash that much today, but you can still talk about, you know, how much more do I need or what's the total cost of these items? Um, so that's one. Then we tend to use uh, measurement a lot. So measurement. And the number one measurement we use, and this is why I refer to your podcast, is time. Right? What time do I have to be ready to start that podcast at this particular in the kickoff at, at noon as we did here today you yeah. know well, what what time do i have to be sitting down ready to go so you're calculating time regularly uh the night before okay i've got to drive to my home my home city my, my city sorry the traffic's going to be worse tomorrow um what time do i have to set my alarm to get up to make sure i do my pilates and i've got to open my iron my shirt and make my coffee and a bit allow another 20 minutes because of traffic all these calculations so all around you, there'll be opportunities. I, I put up a picture on the wall the other day, actually two pictures on the wall the other day, and I wanted to make sure they're the same height from the ceiling and they're centred on the wall, and, and each of the pictures had two hooks in the back, not one. So you think about the mathematics that's involved of where do I put the holes in the wall, I only want to put you know, the minimum number, I don't want to put more holes in this three, in the wall to be able to hang those pictures. That's another opportunity. You know, Get your child on the other end, on the busy end of the tape measure, do the reading of the number. Um, I'd be amazed how many, you know, 12-year-olds still can't read a tape measure, you know, because they, they do it in, a, in this artificial classroom setting, but they don't do it in real settings. That's where the real learning happens. Yes. My son, we, my son and his friend, they are 15 years old. They're up, we're up at my farm. We were going to pour a slab, pour concrete by hand. It was only one metre wide by, I'm, I'm estimating here, one metre wide by three metres 
long. So cattle crushed that on this thing. Now, you know, I said, okay, how are we going to calculate the volume of the gravel, you know, to buy? Once we formed it up, how much gravel do we have to buy in the trailer to have enough to form this up? I don't know. I don't know, they'd say. All right, well, let's work this out. What's the area? How are we going to calculate the area? And we just work through it together. That's the area we've got to figure out. So it's a length by the breadth. But this thing has depth as well. So we've got to go that measurement, a third dimension. And we multiply those together. And they worked it all out. But they forgot the formula. We teach formulas and procedures and they memorize these things and it means nothing to them. But if you give them an understanding, you get out and do a real thing with them and just ask them probing questions along the way. Um, it's very impactful for kids. Uh, and it doesn't have, I know I gave you an example of a 15 year old, but this can work with a, a two, uh, sorry, two, I was going to say a second grader, a, a child in second year, uh, you know, an eight year old, um, any grade. So the number one thing is you need to be aware of the mathematics you're using because you will do it subconsciously. You're not even aware you're using mathematics. You're doing it subconsciously that much. Um, and so, so think, step back a bit, think about what you're doing and ask some good probing questions of your child. You know, the, 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 those sorts of questions, how would you do this? What's another way you might do it? Yeah. How did you so, figure it out? You know, those sorts of questions. So in our day-to-day life, there's a, there's a multitude of opportunities to present to children um, for them to understand and to be able to calculate these things in their mind and understand that mathematics is something that we use, obviously, on a day-to-day Absolutely. basis. Yeah, yes. we're not going to do it every day. It's just unrealistic. But you know what? If you start being aware of it, you get better at it. And yes. even, if you, even if you ask one or two questions a week, you are doing so much more than the person lives beside you. <laughs> you know, it's you just got to get them doing it and, and show a bit of a bit of love for the subject you know yeah um, it is and the most important subject they'll encounter I, I think i'm biased here but they, they need it and do you think really it's about establishing a newly acquired understanding of this concept um and how these 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 thought patterns really can sort of help in day-to-day sort of problem-solving situations then yeah absolutely they use mathematics um in in everyday situations and so the yeah the basic it's the beauty of where I'm sitting in terms of the primary school kids, the mathematics of learning in primary school is the mathematics that adults use in everyday life. The mathematics you learn in high school is the stuff that you and me will probably never use again. Yes. Right? Uh, that, that, that's our career mathematics. That stuff sets us up for a career if we want to go down that path. Um, I, I write mathematics books for primary school. I did not even go down that path. I don't remember the last time I had to solve a quadratic equation. We yes. would have been grade 12. Right, but the stuff we learn, the stuff your your six year olds through to you know even twelve year olds are learning. Uh, I know it's getting into high school, but the twelve year olds are learning. Is is that's the mathematics that we as adults we use in everyday life. So there's no reason we can't connect with them and 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 show them you know uh, how to use it and when to use it and you know how to solve it. That's a really really fascinating point just there. Well, look, we um. We've covered, you know, some really interesting topics and points today. If you were to summarise your key messages, I guess, for anyone watching and listening today, how would you summarise what they are? Because, I mean, well, how well, would you gave me heads up about that one. Um, I, I think that the first, the first major point I said in, in this podcast today was um, you want to reduce anxiety um, So and, and you want to induce a love of mathematics. So don't say ever, ever to your child or anyone else's child, I was never good at mathematics because that's instilling this theory in them that it's okay not to be. 
Yes. And it's not. You must be good at mathematics to to fit into society and particularly the society of the future. So you want to encourage that. And, you know, it's okay not to know the answer. Don't get me wrong. It's okay not to know the answer. But if you don't know, I say, well, let's let's work through this together. So what should a parent say then, is, is, as you just said, let, let's work through this together? Yeah, let, let, let's, let's, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but that's okay. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try because you don't know unless you give it a go, right? So you're going to try and solve it together. Um, yes. That's it. There's no there's nothing wrong with not knowing how and there's definitely nothing wrong with getting the wrong answer. I mean, how do you learn anything unless you get things wrong? Yes. You know, if, if you're getting things right all the time, you're not learning anything. So you have to get things wrong to be able to learn. So you would expect some incorrect answers. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the number one point from today. Uh, the second point is, um, you know, visual representations uh, are very helpful for help you know, for, for children to learn mathematics in these concepts. And, and although the things I showed, showed here for those who did watch the video, they're more classroom resources. Um, there's still things we can, we can grab, you know, uh, from the kitchen or whatever to help, to help them, you know, understand the idea of measurement. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe we're understanding mass, that is weight. You know, there's no better tool than a, than a pan balance to teach the concept of, of mass. And, you know, for, for the most part, we have those things in our classroom. Uh, sorry, in our classroom, I'm such a teacher, in our, in our home. Um, the other, the other next point was, you know, collaboration and communication. Talk, talk to your children. Uh, ask those probing questions. How do you know? How did you get that answer? What's another way you could do it? You know, uh, what's another answer you can get using your strategy? That's a really good probing question too. That makes them think differently. You know, so that and 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 likewise, um, when it comes to collaboration, it's just that that last point about. You know, asking them, you know, getting them involved, looking for opportunities to do the mathematics uh, in the cl in your home. Sorry, uh, that's very important too. Cool. This has I been a interesting so short summary. Sorry, I probably rambled too much. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Been really insightful. And look, if parents want to be able to access the free resource also with Origo at home, whereabouts can they go then? Where should uh, they go? Just go to uh, Origo Education. The name's behind me here. It's Origo, O-R-I-G-O, origoeducation.com.au and, and search for um, Origo at Home. So it's a free resource. Uh, there's lots of lots of activities, um, but they are, oh, heads up, they are in, you know, designed for a parent to be working with child, not not the child necessarily on their own. There are some things for, the, for that, um, that certainly has its place, but we want the, the child to be working with their, their parent or guardian. And so the education um, covers from traditional printed products and all sort of digital interactive resources as well. Is that right? Yes, yes. So um, we, we have a full range of resources, yeah. And, 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 you know, in all honesty, it's not just, um, I'm an advocate here for mathematics, so it's not just Origo Education. As I said, there's plenty of good companies out there doing uh, these sorts of resources uh, for their for their uh, for students, young students and children. So just you know, have a look around. Um, there's plenty of Facebook groups and great podcasts like this, which will help you. But uh, yes, we do have one if you want to go this direction. Awesome. And Origo at Home is a free resource, so definitely yep. something that all parents should be checking out. And we'll have all of those links in the show notes. Thanks so much for your time again, James. You take care and uh, look forward to another chat in the not-too-distant future. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.